I mean, put me on a dance floor and I'll break it down like no other. I have but, uh, uh, I have Amy Porterfield uh, Instagram video to prove that, by the way. Proof. Proof positive. <laughs> I've seen they're, that. They're both Pathlin and this guy can break it down. Podcast junkies. And we are up to episode number six. Okay, this episode's a short one. It's John Lee Dumas. We got uh, a small window with him, and we really just made it informal. I just wanted to pick his brain a bit and really make it like a, a fly-on-the-wall session. Nothing too uh, rigid with questions, just uh, a little bit of back and forth for you to get a feel of what uh, John is like. You've heard him all over the podcast interview space, so... Um, he's the host of Entrepreneur on Fire. His story is pretty amazing. Um, and with Podcasters Paradise, he's just killing it right now. So I'll put show, uh, show note page links uh, so you could see uh, all the details there. But I think this is just uh, more of a laid back show. So just sit back and, and enjoy. So... Man, uh, so it's been a whirlwind uh, for you, obviously. Um, yes. I feel like every time, uh, I, every time I, I turn on YouTube or turn on uh, <laughs> iTunes or my, or my uh, Downcast, I, I see you all over the place. And you might have a duplicate, I mean, a twin brother floating around somewhere because... <laughs> <laughs> So how do you how do you do it? Like how do you keep up? Do you is it are you still riding the wave of excitement where you're just like, oh man, this shit is like so fun and I love it. Yeah. This is me. This is my flow. I love this. Um I just wake up every morning excited to to do these type of things. Man, so it's funny because I naturally I pick podcast junkie because it's the first thing that jumped to mind. I was at NMX, I saw you speak in January. And I was there. I was there in the room, and I saw you talking. And I was like, "Okay," because um, I went there for something else, like for this mobile app that was going to start a sure. uh, a, a, um, a podcast where I was like, I was going to interview DJs because it's like electronic music type stuff. And then it just jumped out at me. I said, "Man, um, I saw Chris Murphy introduce Cliff Ravenscraft, and he said right. he started talking about like how I love podcasts." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's me. I'm a podcast junkie." And then I bought. <laughs> I bought the domain name on the webinar. I don't know if you know this, but I bought the domain name on the webinar for Podcasters Paradise. Like, Get <laughs> out of here. That's a great story. Yeah, so while you were talking, I'm like, okay, let me see if this is available. And I just like, okay, I'm going with this live. And by the way, I just, I just bought the domain. Um, so Your it's audio sounds great. I mean, your Thanks, setup man. looks great. Yeah, I, I did. The, I had the first one with Chase Reeves. And He's I just, so funny. He's hilarious, man. I, I had to have him because uh, I saw him speak at NMX as well. And then I started listening to The Fizzle Show. And the guy is freaking hilarious. Hilarious. He's like, uh, his comedic timing is, is awesome. And I'm sure having a drink. <laughs> Spot on. I'm sure having a drink with him would be pretty awesome. It's, yeah. He's a funny guy. I think he's put, kind of drunk on those shows anyway sometimes. They oh, would, he's <laughs> always drinking. You can hear the, the glasses and the ice the glasses. Yeah, for, uh, so for the next one, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we plan and, and make sure we, we, we each have a drink handy. Uh, or, we, or we do it in person sometime. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get out there. Yeah, we're, I'm in New York right now, and we're, we're moving to L.A. So L.A., right up the five. Yeah, we'll be on the same time zone, man. So it'll be cool. So you naturally were the guy who was listening to podcasts as well, right? You were, you were driving, 
And I mean, I, I did the same thing, but in, when I got started, I was listening to music, right? And you were listening to shows to keep, I mean, I've been in that same, in that same position on the commute and yours was like an hour, you said, right? Yeah, I had a lot of commuting to do. I mean, sometimes it was 25 minutes, sometimes it was an hour because in real estate, you know, you never know where that showing is going to be or where that appointment is going to be located at. So it was all over the place. And so um, do you remember, like if you're thinking back, obviously, you, you know, you talk a lot in, in, in a ton of the interviews how you were um, just listening to stuff to pass the time. Were you naturally drawn to the entrepreneurial stuff or were you listening to other stuff, music in the beginning? I was really drawn to the entrepreneurial stuff. I've never been a music guy, never really liked music. I mean, put me on a dance floor and I'll break it down like no other. I have uh, have Amy Porterfield Instagram video to prove that, by the way. Proof. Proof positive. (laughs) I've seen that. That both Kathleen and this guy can break it down. That was at 3 a.m. at the Cosmo in Vegas. Um, Yeah. At New Media Expo. So when you had your aha moment, a a couple hours later, I was having my dance off moment. Yeah, that's fine. I got to join you guys because I get down with that as well. And I I saw uh, Pat Flynn recently put out a challenge. Like he's like, I feel like a dance throwdown. And I started uh, saying, Yeah, we'll we'll get some Bell Biv DeVoe, some poison. And he's like, Yes, (laughs) that's exactly it. I was like, All right. Then because I I, I DJ, I've DJed for like 20 years of my life. So nice. So you do like music. Yeah, yeah. I I do like music and I like making people dance. So uh, yeah. So, so it wasn't so it wasn't the music for you. So did you just stumble upon? Because I, I mean, obviously the name well, was actually it was because I disliked music. But okay. I was searching for more. I'm like, well, I'm tired of hearing Miley Cyrus on the radio <laughs> every single you know or, or every third song. Yeah. Like talk radio is brutal because I have no control over it. Yeah, that's and there's. Twelve minute commercials every six minutes, which is just disgusting. What else is out there? Where are other opportunities? And luckily for me, one of my friends and uh, neighbors at the time said, "Well, go go check out a podcast." You know, this was like back in 2010. Yeah. I was like, "Well, what's a podcast?" And <clears throat> I quickly learned, and quickly became a raving fan. And for the next two years, I just consumed. I never produced. But finally, you know, while I was making that commute, running out of these great shows like Pat Flynn only produced a show every two weeks. So I went through all of his content for two years in like two months. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Where's that daily podcaster? It's funny because when you find a good show, like I've had this happen, like it's a sign of a good show, actually, if you go back and listen to the first episodes. Like if you, yes. because if you have stuff that you're like uh, just kind of uh, okay about, you're like, uh, if they don't grab you with the first two, then you're just like, you just move on to the next one. Cause there's, especially now the competition is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and Pat Flynn's, I did the same too. I was like, Oh, this is good. The next one was good. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm kind of like OCD that way. I gotta hear the whole story. I want to hear the beginning, how this started. And you get that when you go back to the first couple of ones as well. Well, you know, what's interesting about that comment, Harry, is that like you say you're OCD and like you may, you may be OCD, but even people who aren't OCD seem to be OCD when it comes to podcasts. It's really a strange kind of phenomenon where when people find a podcast they like, they, number one, are completists. They want to start that podcast and they want to finish that podcast, which is why I really make sure to try to keep my podcast at about the 28 to 32 minute mark because that's the average commute time, which is where a lot of my listeners consume my podcast. Yeah. And number two, you know, they're also completist to the fact where they want to hear all the content. So they're going to go back to the beginning. What's really neat about that 
is that that allows your listeners, your avatars to grow with you as the host because you got to see Pat and even myself, if you went back and listened to the early Entrepreneur Fire episodes as like really inexperienced, pretty bad podcast hosts, like slowly getting better and progressing, you know, as we had, you know, as we notched hundreds and hundreds of interviews and shows under our belts. So that was like a really kind of important kind of transition you know, for, you know, what I was seeing and the impactfulness that podcasting has that allows you to grow that audience like nothing else can. You don't have a radio talk show host that can grow that kind of audience because I can't go back and listen, you know, to all the old talk radio shows that there are. I don't want to because, again, there's more commercials than anything else. But podcasting is very unique in that way. Yeah, I think it's um, and, and the fact that you said that you you kind of get um, you get your your ten thousand hours in, if you will, mm-hmm. and you get them in faster when you're doing a daily podcast, obviously. So for sure. <laughs> and so do you? And so you pick that that time slot that that thirty minutes. Um, um, it seems like a lot of the things you do uh, are pretty well thought out and and, mm-hmm. and and pretty well planned. And it probably you can um, it, it's either your personality or you can attribute that to the the military background. It's a combination of the both. I will say that, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like I started and I've started my life <laughs> as an infant throughout v- a very organized person. Like I liked being in control. Like my mother was always like, why is your closet like organized <laughs> by colors? Like you're seven years old. And, <clears throat> you know, I just was always like, I liked being in control, like that feeling of of not being disorganized. And then the army kind of took that and like really kind of put a fine edge to it and like really crafted me to, to put that discipline into actual action. And so with Entrepreneur on Fire, you know, I was able to take that military discipline, my natural desire for organization and control yeah. and apply it to a, what most people would have thought was an unpo- you know, was an impossible schedule to maintain a seven day a week podcast interviewing successful and inspiring entrepreneurs. Because what's one thing, Harry, that successful and inspiring entrepreneurs have in common? They're really, really busy. Yeah. So how are you going to schedule these guys? How are you going to get them you know, to, to come on? And how much back and forth is that going to be? I said, you know what? If I make my show good enough, if I make my audience powerful enough, then when I actually you know, reach out to these people and, and, and share with them when my studio time is, you know, my studio time, yeah. and you're looking at my studio right now. You're, in a, diff- you're, you're in a different room, right? Because the, uh, well, the couch is normally sideways, right? <laughs> we moved um, about two months ago. Okay. So we're in a new place here. Yeah, yeah. And so we have a different furniture, different room, different everything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is my studio that you're seeing. And that's how I present it as well as saying, Hey, I would love for you to be on the show, Harry. You know, here's my studio times that I have. It's yep. Mondays only, you know, I have, you know, you can book out as far in advance as works for you, but I hope you find a time that does work. And every single one of my interviews that I do eight per Monday, every Monday is only on Mondays, which gives me the rest of the week to do stuff like this. You know, my Saturdays, you know, I have dedicated to doing shows um, on other people. So I have eight interviews like this one, you know, back to back for the, you know, you're my first of the day. So that's why you're getting energized, John. (laughs) The last person might get a little bit of a short shrift, who knows. But I don't know if you can tell, but I'm also standing. I have a new standing Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm standing too. I tried that. I can tell. I love it. Don't you love how your diaphragm is just like open and you're expanding and you're just like, hello world. And I'm French. So I'm always flailing with my arms. And if you're sitting down, you're kind of like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, like flailing. Yeah. So it's much more awkward. 
That's so funny. I just um, it, obviously when you say it, it, it's Dumas, of course, French. Is it? Uh, are you b- parents both French? Yes, it's, they are. Okay, and you've been? Have you been out there? Uh, no, I'm going for the first time ever to Paris, May 14th. Yeah, we went two years ago. My wife, uh, we did. Uh, we did it. We did kind of whirlwind. We did uh, Barcelona, Madrid, uh, Berlin, and Paris in one trip. So. Was it muy romantico? <laughs> it was muy romantico. And uh, we're kind of uh, <laughs> bohemian, like adventurous into music and uh, obviously with, the, with electronic music. So out of all the cities, we actually like Berlin. Berlin yeah. is, Berlin's fantastic, man. It's just a New York, C- it. New York City vibe. So nice. are you going back uh, to the motherland, so to speak? Are you going to see relatives or what? No. Okay. Um, you know, all the relatives that I, that I know or are, are aware of, I'm sure we have some back there yeah. somewhere, but moved from like the southern regions of France like three generations ago, four okay. generations ago to Quebec yeah. City up in Canada. Yeah. And then a couple of generations ago, they moved uh. down from Quebec City into Maine, which is where <clears throat> I was born and raised. It all comes together because I remember you went up to see, uh, for your grandmother, you went up to, uh, you, you went back to Maine, but then I think when you were there, you mentioned something about Quebec. So I think as you start to tie all the pieces together, you're like, okay, the French, <laughs> Quebec, France, that's cool. And again, back to the beauty of podcasting. I mean, you know this many intimate details about me, you know, even though this is the first time we've ever had like yeah. a real one-on-one conversation. I mean, we've, you know, been at New Media Expo together and yeah. other areas, um, but that's the power of podcasting, man. It's so, so intimate. Well, it's kind of, it, it, um, uh, Pat Flynn talked about this too. It's, it must get kind of creepy because I, I know more about <laughs> you than you know more than you know about me. Well, it is. It actually, it stops being creepy pretty quick yeah. um, because you just get used to it. You know, I, I get emails all the time from people that say, John, this is going to sound creepy, but like, I feel like we're yeah. best friends. Like I listen to you. You're the first voice I hear in the morning when I go for my jog. You know, sometimes I can't sleep at night, so I fall asleep to your voice. And <laughs> I am a heterosexual dude, um, but, you know, I just really dig what you're doing. So, you know, thank you for that. And I'm like, no, it's not creepy at all. <laughs> How's your French? How's my French? Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> it's a zero. You need to at least learn how to say, are you prepared to ignite in French? <laughs> that would be awesome. You got to do I actually that. have Entrepreneur on Fire coming out in French. Right? I have a guy in France no who's just like, can I do the Entrepreneur on Fire French version? And I said, yeah, absolutely. How, how would that work? Is it like uh, he's got your endorsement or something like that? Like, yeah, I'm just like, whatever. Let's spread the love. I don't care. Wow, we may have, I may have to talk to you about the Spanish version. My wife's Colombian. So. <laughs> that's, that's already been locked down. So. Uh, that's right. Okay. You, you got to pick the um, the more complicated languages. <laughs> so you <laughs> that wouldn't be tough, but yeah, it's possible. Especially, I mean, think about books. Like, if you got a book that's a bestseller, automatically it's like in fifteen, twenty different languages right away. So there's no reason why right. some some sort of model like that. And that's probably some sort. If someone could put together, hey, I'll take your successful podcast and brought, and you know. I'll, I'll get you the licensing rights for like 10 different countries, you know, that would be, and, and then, and then they had the speakers lined up who could translate. I'm sure there's a lot of work involved in that, I love it. but I'm sure you and I both have more, a ton of stuff on our plate already. <laughs> so you had to be, so you mentioned the stuff about like you're organizing your closet early on. So you kind of got the OCD too. So, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I got it. So I, I recognize it in other people when I see it, because it's that thing about having to have like your desk organized. Like I, I, I obsess over like font sizes sometimes and like, you know, things that seem crazy to other people, but I think you need those kind of people in there. And then you surround yourself with people who are like more of like 
the doers or the producers. And if you can take your OCD management skills around them, I think that's when you start to hit it out of the park. Yeah, I could not agree more. I mean, I do see a lot of the similar tendencies in the successful entrepreneurs and like not to kind of like go down kind of a crazy path here, but you know, that's kind of is one reason why that I attribute like that I've never like done drugs or wanted to go down that path in yeah. life because I've never wanted to give up control. And I've always felt like that's kind of what drugs did to people is like yeah. you kind of like gave up control, motor function, X, Y, Z. I mean, I'll enjoy, you know, an, an alcoholic beverage, like any, you know, like, like, you know, a, like a, kick, like a, like a, like a kickstand in college. <laughs> I heard, or yes, po- podcasters round table. I heard that one too. So, or two, <laughs> um, podcasters round table. Um, but you know, I, I do, I see that tendency that, you know, that these successful entrepreneurs are really those ones that, you know, they do stress over the little things sometimes, but sometimes it is the little things that make the big difference in the long run. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because you you had to, you had to have that from the beginning, and and you felt like you wanted to do something that made a difference. Did, did you immediately think that it's an entre- it's a podcast about entrepreneurs will be the one that resonates the most with my audience, and it's it, and it's going to be the one that I'm most passionate about, or were there some other ideas rattling around in your head? So the key thing that I think everybody that's listening needs to really kind of focus on when they're thinking about starting their journey is the most important thing to do first and foremost is really drill down and nail your avatar, that one perfect listener. And so that's what I did, Harry. Like I just said, who's that perfect listener for Entrepreneur on Fire? Well, his name is Jimmy. He's 34 years old. He has two kids, ages three and five. He drives to work by himself every single day. He doesn't like his job and he wonders why he spends 80% of his life doing things he doesn't enjoy doing. I mean, you've heard that on Podcasters Paradise Workshop webinars. And that's so important and so few people do this. And so just define your avatar and all these questions that you're asking me right now are answered by saying, WWJD, what would Jimmy do? Yeah, exactly. These ideas, you know, you talk about defining your avatar and niching down. Was it, I mean, I know you talked about having a coach and a mentor as well and Jamie Tardy. So was she able to like help you articulate and get to that point faster than you would have on your own? Absolutely. I mean, I think the most important step that I took as an entrepreneur, the most successful step was getting a mentor first and foremost. Yeah. She's the one that led me to the mastermind. She's the one that led me to going to Blog World in New York City back in 2012 when I didn't even know this world existed. Like that was so like impactful for me to have that one person that could just cut through all the red tape, that could just hit that fast forward button, get me from point A, you know, to point J just like that. Uh, you'd be interested to know that I have, I've just recently taken on a coach and, um, he, and he was recently on your couch on my couch. Let me, (laughs) Nick Unsworth No. on my couch. One more, one more guess. Caleb Wojcik. No. Uh, Greg, Greg Hickman. Greg Hickman. (laughs) I have a lot of really awesome entrepreneurs on my couch. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I can imagine. Pat Flynn, Pat Flynn was just on there. (laughs) Rick Mulready was, Amy Porterfield was just on there. So. You're going to go wrong. If you're you like choose your mentors from my couch. You're pretty much all set. You're like the Airbnb of uh, podcasters or something like that. Love it. <laughs> About the Airbnb of all-star entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, uh, yeah, 
there's probably another business in that somewhere. So when you talk a lot about um, the imposter syndrome, because, you know, when you, got, you jumped into this, you mentioned a couple of times how you bailed on starting it, you know, two or three yeah. times. And you're like, I can't do this. And I mean, I've been through that and I'm going through that now. When does the imposter syndrome disappear? Never. The okay. imposter syndrome is at the core of every human being's soul. We're born with it, Harry. It's why human beings are still alive today. We're, it's an innate sense that we are just born with. It's why you know, our ancestors avoided the saber-toothed tiger because they doubted themselves. They were scared of certain things. They were scared of failing. It's why they worked hard to learn how to build fire. I mean, take it all the way through the generations. Yeah. That imposter syndrome is always going to be there. And instead of being afraid of it and letting it get you down, Harry, be that 1% who embraces the imposter syndrome, realizing that it's never going away. And that because the imposter syndrome exists, it weeds out the 99% of people who can't get over that and can't get over their fear yeah. and puts the people that do, myself, Pat Flynn, Amy Porterfield, in that top 1%. And anybody can join us here, just embrace the imposter syndrome. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that, if you think about the fact that it never ends, then you don't have to worry about looking forward to a time when it's over and you don't have to deal with it anymore. You kind of just ingrain it into your current workflow and you're like, okay, I'm always going to have this, but it's not going to define me. It's not going to defeat me. And I'm going to actually use that to empower me in all the things that I do moving forward. It's part of the journey. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you're moving, like I said, we touched upon this when we started that you're moving like a million miles an hour now. Um, have you started to think about the broader picture about where, where this is going? Where'd you like it to go? I know you're adding some more products to your mix. Um, but I mean, you're allowed to, to, you know, think bigger and you're allowed to dream as well. Right. So, you know, John Lee Dumas in a year, John Lee Dumas, and I'm sure, you know, maybe part of what you're talking about with your coach and your mentor as well as part of this thought process, but are you thinking bigger? Are you thinking what's beyond this and, and what can you do, um, as you move forward? No, I'm not. I am seeing this world that just changes so fast. And those that remain agile are really the ones that I'm seeing that are succeeding. So I don't know what's going to be an opportunity six months from now, even okay. potentially three months from now. Um, we just launched um, the beta version, the early bird version of Webinar on Fire, which is how to create, present, and convert your webinar. And yeah. Harry, a month ago, I had no idea that this product was going to exist. Uh, but, you know, the reality was when you do $500,000 in sales on a live webinar in five months, people start asking questions about how you do that specific thing on that live webinar. And so, of course, a light bulb goes off and I say, well, I'll just turn that into a course, just yep. like I turned Podcasters Paradise into a course. So, I don't know where we're going. I like not knowing because, you know, we live in this world that changes so fast and it's so exciting. And, you know, I just know as long as I continue to serve my audience in the best way that I can, that, you know, and I always put them first and I put, you know, that Albert Einstein quote, you know, don't try to become a man of success, but rather become a man of value. I feel like people that try to plan far and ahead are trying to plan for success. Yeah. And they're losing vision of what's right in front of them, which is providing value every single day. So I'm doing that prior. I'm providing value and we'll see where it goes. <laughs> that's, a, that's definitely your, uh, your, your gradual realization of your worthy ideal, right? Oh, what a great <laughs> quote by Earl Nightingale. Success or happiness is 
the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. It's yeah. gradual, Harry. It's not just realizing it right away. And it's not just an ideal. It has to be worthy. Yeah, and, and I think gradual is, is a relative term because um, I know on some of the, the folks, I think Tropical MBA folks, uh, um, um, that's another mastermind that works with entrepreneurs, they talk about the thousand day plan. So uh, a thousand days is three years. You know, you have to think about, you have to plan now where you want to be there and you kind of have to do the things that, that will put you in a place to succeed. So you're not going to do something and in three months you're going to be successful. I know we, you talked about with uh, on the podcasters roundtable, it took you six months before you started seeing any significant revenue from the podcast. So Right. Which we share, you know, very yeah. openly in our income reports. We have the first 365 days where those first, you know, four or five months, it's all red. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until we got to the sixth, seventh month part that we even started seeing any kind of an income. And it wasn't until, you know, the 12, 13 month point that we started seeing the, you know, the huge income that we're seeing now, which is six figures a month. So getting into the home stretch here, how, how do we, how do we get this message out? Because what's interesting is that this is fun to talk about within this, our, our bubble of podcasting, the podcasting world, but I'm sure you've come across it and I'm sure you've had uh, conversations with people about what the hell is a podcast? Like, I don't even know how to get one on my phone. I don't even know when you tell me that, what that word means, like uh, um, any, any suggestions or thoughts about expanding this beyond our, our small circle of people that we just, you know, keep interviewing each other and keep talking about the same things that mm -hmm. we all know about and love? I think it's happening naturally right now. Um, four out of 10 people in the U S you know, which is a pretty cutting edge country comparatively know what yeah. a podcast is. Yeah. Um, but when you have uh, areas um, or companies like Stitcher Radio going in the dashboard of cars, when you have iTunes making a major push, when you have SoundCloud that, as you know, I'm sure as a musician yeah. or liking music, you know, is all 100% music focused, now making this massive push into the world of podcasting, um, it's opening up a lot of people's eyes. And I think it's going to happen naturally. You know, anything that's worth knowing will naturally be revealed. And I think podcasting is one of those. Yeah, I think we just do one off. So I had a couple, I had a friend of mine. I just kept sending her podcast, sending her podcast. And then finally she texted me. She's like, okay, I found a good one. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, Duncan Trussell uh, is a comic. It's hilarious. Oh, cool. And uh, she's like, oh yeah, okay, now I get it. She texted me. She's like, okay, I get, I, get, I understand podcast now. And now she's hooked. And, <laughs> and my wife said the same thing recently to me. So I guess, like you said, it's just, one listener at a time. Last one question. At a time. Last question, John. Um, why do you do what you do? So the tagline with Entrepreneur on Fire is to inspire millions. And that's the overarching yeah. feel. But I want to take it down six levels, uh, that Toyota, uh, like the six whys. And we don't have time to, to ask all six because there actually are six levels. Yeah. But the bottom why, Harry, is freedom. Freedom for myself to do what I want to do, to wake up in the morning and truly follow what I feel like is my flow, which back up to that number one why is to inspire millions, as you can see on my mic flag here. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire is my vehicle to allow me to wake up every single morning and not be under somebody else's schedule, but to be in control of my life, my schedule. That's why I do what I do. That's why I serve my audience so genuinely and so passionately and will continue to do so. And you feel confident that there's nothing else you'd rather be doing. True that. Okay, John. I uh, definitely appreciate this, uh, this, this quick and dirty insight into the mind of JLD. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Harry. I'd love to have you on at some point in the future and, uh, and see if we can't make it uh, in person. That'd be cool. Yeah. And I got a great balcony right here, a view of the bay. 
Yeah, we yeah. got to do it. Yeah, we'll get a couple, we'll crack a couple of beers and we'll take, I, I've seen that view in Kate's uh, couple of snapshots. So it looks awesome. Yeah, we'll get I'll, a, I'll get it for you right here. We'll as get we a sign sneak peek. Out. Yes, there we go. <laughs> I'll see you at uh, Podcast Movement. Boom, Dallas, August 16th. Okay, John, have a freaking fantastic day with uh, your interviews and uh, take care. Thanks, Harry. You too. Okay. Bye. Woof. <laughs> now, that one did feel like it went by pretty quickly, but I think I was just having uh, the same conversation I would have with John if I was sitting on the couch with him. So, and you can tell, um, like he said, it was the first interview of the morning, so he was uh, pretty energetic and pretty uh, lively, and I think that came through. So we covered a couple of things. As always, show notes, podcastjunkies.com slash six, and uh, we'll provide the links there. Downloads are picking up, and thanks to those that are listening and are just discovering the show, we've got uh, five older episodes in the can you can take a look at if this is your first one. And you can head to the show notes page for all the links on subscribing, reviewing, rating, um, and even providing feedback uh, via email or speakpipe. Speak pipe. So this week's track is actually more of a mix. It's by my good friends and new favorites of Cedar and Soil, Palenque Soul Tribe, their uh, duo, uh, now more closely a quartet based out of Los Angeles by way of Colombia. And they play a lot of good cumbia-infused music meets uh, electronica. So this mix is called Cumbian Chill. And you can see uh, the rest of their music and hear it on SoundCloud. And also check out their new album, Mod, which is out now and available in iTunes. 